Vogelsang Pest Management has programs for everyone's budget. Call us at 314-601-1789. Vogelsang Pest Management, serving your family like you're our family. Have you heard about Salt River Automotive? Not only are we open for business and ready to serve you, we are sponsors of the BS in the Morning Show on Westplex 107.1. Check us out on Facebook at Salt River Automotive LLC. See you soon. Westplex 107.1 all summer long, and that is still now. You know what I'm saying, Shelly? It's, I do. It's still now. It falls right around the corner. Well, if people say, well, it's not summer anymore because it's past Labor Day. No, it's still summer. It it's is. Still hey, when did we fall back? Uh, when we got too drunk. <laughs> that too. But seriously, when do we fall back? When it's, do the clocks fall back? I uh, believe they moved it around. I think it's the end of October now. Uh, it used to be. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's not for a while. Yeah. Because they, they extended years ago. They extended daylight savings time. They extended it by, by like almost two months. They we fought we we spring forward earlier and we fall back later than we used to. They, it used to be like, I think it used to be sort of like six months and six months. I think it's like seven and a half or I don't know. I can't remember the whole deal. But yeah, it, it's, it's late. I'll find the exact day. But I believe it's like the last weekend in October. Wow. Something that's like that. That's a long time. Well, we still got it like, you know, well, right before the elections, you know. <laughs> and speaking of the, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Everything is, yeah, the elections will oh be. Oh, my uh, God. A telltale sign of how things are going to be going. Here we go again. I mean, if there was ever a time when, and I know people are going to go, you're just in the, you're just in the tank for Trump. You're a Trump supporter. If there's ever a time that all the force. He got, I heard that he got the Nobel Peace Prize. Nominated. No, he got nominated for it. But that happened once before and they shot it down. Remember, Obama got it like he was in office for like two hours and got the Nobel Peace Prize. But anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. If there was ever a time when you can see that the entire media is in the tank against Trump and for Biden, it's now. Now the the what the Bernstein book, the Woodard book, or whatever the heck's the name is, the the Washington, you know, the the Nixon guys, the Washington Post guys, comes out with this with this. Uh, well, that's what they did. You know, they 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 put the knife in the back of Nixon, or put the knife in the heart of Nixon, whatever. You know, with the uh, the whole deal. Anyway, uh, they came out with uh, this book about how it's not even out yet about how he downplayed. You know, uh, uh, you know the coronavirus, and I'm going like, well, no, hold on a minute now. Everybody did. Remember Fauci? We talked about Fauci on doing interviews back in January, saying, oh, it's not going to be anything big, and you know, I mean, you know, once again, it's like. It's like if you're in, like, let's say you're in California and you're 20 miles away from a wildfire and the mayor comes on and you're in a little town in California and the mayor comes on. Well, you know, that wildfire is 20 miles away. I don't know if we have that much to worry about. And then all of a sudden it's 10 miles away and then it's eight miles and six and five and four and three and two, one. Well, as the thing's approaching the city, the mayor's going to say, yeah, now we're in trouble. Okay. I get that. And the interesting thing about this was, is that this was, you know, they talk about, they talk about Trump being the most transparent president. He's always given press conferences, which I think is to his detriment. This whole thing with the, with the Bernstein or Woodard, which I can't remember which one's which, uh, he get all these, these, these interviews with him, like it was 20 interviews, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. I mean, like he's, you know, you ask him a question, you get an answer. I mean, you know, what more do you want from somebody? You ask Joe Biden a question, and and he tells you what the weather is in Poughkeepsie. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, mean oh. I, I have to tell you, 
This, Do they ever decide whether or not there's going to be a debate? Well, the Democrats don't want to have it. Obviously, there's a reason well, for that. Clearly, they don't. They don't want to have that. But I, I have to tell you, and and this is—I know we shouldn't talk politics at this time of the morning. We should but, actually but, at six eighteen in the morning. But I, you know, more and more when when I hear like Joe Biden, I'm going like, man, this guy just can't put two sentences together. And and you know, the crazy thing about that is, re- what? remember, remember back, not. Um, not four years ago, but it would be coming up on eight years ago when it was Romney. And remember, uh, uh, you know, uh, remember uh, uh, when uh, the vice president was Eddie Munster? You know, it was Romney. <laughs> Mun- you, know, you know who I'm talking about? Yes. You, you, don't, you know who I'm talking about? The guy, the, the guy looked like Eddie Munster from Wisconsin. The guy used to be the Speaker of the House. And he quit. Um, anyway, what was his name? You know who I'm talking about. I do, but I don't know what his name is. They had a vice presidential debate, and Biden wiped the floor with that guy. It made really. It, oh my! When was God. that? Oh my! It was like almost eight years ago. It 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 made oh, it look yeah, like he's not the same man. It though. made it look like me going in the ring with Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? I mean, he was you know Mike was just playing with me. You know, and to the point where where you know I mean he was just like okay, I'm just gonna let this guy have thirty seconds, and then I'm gonna put him to sleep. You know what I mean? It was to the point where it <laughs> yeah. was like, you know, I'm going to drop the mic like Kaylee does. Right, drop right. the mic and walk off. It was, it was like Biden just wiped the floor with him. It was embarrassing. And it was like, you know, that was Romney. What was that? God, isn't that terrible? You forget that kind of stuff. And 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 there's a perfect example of of what we do for a living. What's that? Toma, top of mind awareness. If you're not promoting your business on a daily basis, people forget about you. If you're not getting your name out there, if you're not saying, hey, I'm Caleb Hunter from Extreme Electrical, or um, I'm, uh, name another one, I'm John Schneider from uh, Wentzville Fire Protection District, or I'm, you know, I mean, name any one of our clients, people listen to these stations, they know these people because they're on the air every day and they're talking about their business, they're giving their name, they're giving the name of their business, and you remember who they are. But when you have a situation where all of a sudden, you know, somebody falls out of the, the line, the public eye, and he's not even in uh, government anymore, and he, he moved to, you know, moved back to his house in Wisconsin, I can't even remember his damn name, you know? Uh, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. There we go. Yeah, it was Romney Ryan. Okay, and that was the deal. Because and and remember, Biden just ripped him apart. I don't remember that because I'm more into politics now than I ever have my whole life. I'm telling you, Biden was just just great. I mean, he just was was confident, knew his stuff. You know, was very very glib. Was I mean, it was just to the point where it was like, and you know, here's Paul Ryan. You know, anybody, I don't care who you are, anybody who makes it into the national political sphere. If you're, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if you're like a U.S. representative, which is sort of the the low end of the scale, senators, obviously, you know, you know, higher end of the scale, and when you make it into like the president, vice president. You know, you've got to be to the point where you can be in a situation where people are going to ask you questions. You're going to be on the hot seat. You have to be, you know, you have to be knowledgeable. Remember the guy who was, who was the guy that ran for the, the Green Party? And the, the uh, um, at the time, there was that huge problem uh, in the Middle East in Aleppo. And the, and the reporter asked him, well, what about what's going on in Aleppo? And he goes, Aleppo? Aleppo? 
What are you talking about? He had no idea what they were talking about. That was it for him. He's done. You know, I mean, it's to the point where it was something at the time that was in the news every single day. And he was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. That would be like, that would be like if Lyda Krusen, you know, the mayor of St. Louis, you know, went on a press conference and somebody said, hey, Lyda, what do you think about the arch? The arch? Arch. Where's, is there, we have an arch? There's an arch here? You know what I mean? I mean, it would just be like, what? Where, where, where did this person, where, where is this person? You know, who knows? Anyway, uh, let's not talk Feel about better? it. Feel better? No, it's just, well, you brought it up. You know, I mean, you're the one that brought it up. I don't. I try to stay away from stuff like that. I try to, uh-huh. I try to say things, you know, like important things like, hey, if you're having a bad day, we have a special phone number for you, which can give you help, which will give you solace in this times of in this time of 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 confusion and 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 worry and apprehension it'll that's exactly what this time is thank you for condensing that right it'll give you f 2020 it'll give you hope and that number to call is 636-400-POOP yes 636-400-POOP and our very own shelly will give you words of wisdom and make you feel better and put a smile on your face and after you call 636-400-POOP, you'll say... 900-POOP, isn't it? No, it's 400-POOP. Oh, okay. You'll say, oh, my God, I feel so much better. I think I could go climb a mountain right now. I mm-hmm. think I could I could start a new company and mm-hmm. and, and compete with, with Jeff Bezos and Amazon. I think I could make a better electric car than Elon Musk. Tesla. All I did was just call that 636-400-POOP line, and things got better for me. That's the what. That's what I do. Um, entertain and embrace and lift up the people on that that call line. What oh. did you put on there this time, Brad? Uh, I didn't put anything on there. It's the same old poop line. Okay. Uh, oh, I well, a, change it up. I have a major major problem here. Hold on a minute. I'm looking at my computer, and com- and my commercials that are supposed to start right now mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to play. I have a blank screen. Is it the BSOD? Hold on. Uh, okay, now I got it. Okay. Now I got it. Okay, here we go. Okay. okay. It is 624. Westplex 107.1. Ooh, ooh. 633. It is BS in the morning. Uh, I'm telling you, sometimes there's too many inside jokes here between Shelly and I. Indeed there are. And sometimes... <laughs> if you all knew what behind this curtain... You would just be amazed. And sometimes Shelly gets so mad at me, she'll yell at me, and she'll just look at me and go, Ah! Oh, it drives me nuts. Along with your prostate? <laughs> People will take that the wrong way. People will go, What's she talking about? What's she talking about? You know, what's she talking about? Is she talking about this? You're a line dog-faced pony soldier. Are she talking about this? I had prostate problems that were driving me nuts. Are she talking that. about this? I don't wear a mask for the same reason I don't wear underwear. Things gotta breathe. You know, ever since I read that thing, and I can't remember online, and it's sort of funny. You know, and look, I'm not making fun of the people. 
because I wear a mask. You see the signs. And, you know, once again, you go into a business. I was in a business yesterday in St. Charles County, and there's a big sign that says, you must wear a mask inside this business. This is private property. And I go, okay, fine. I get it. That's the way they want it. If I don't want to go wear a mask, I shouldn't go in. And I wore my mask. But remember the people who are, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not doing what the government tells me to do. And, you know, yet, okay, they drove, they drove there in their car, which was, you know, uh, mandated all these safety requirements, airbags and seatbelts by the government. They have a driver's license. You know, they drove on the right side of the street. They, they, you know, hopefully obeyed the speed limits. You know, I'm not doing, I'm not doing what the government tells me to do. You know what I mean? It's like, ever since I saw that cartoon, I thought to myself, yeah, it is sort of funny when you think about that, because every day, unless you live like in the woods somewhere, you know, you're a hermit or something like that, you're doing what the government tells you to do all day long, you know? Right? Yes. Government says, yes, government says, you know, if, if you live in a in a in a subdivision, you know, like and there's levels of government homeowners association. If you don't cut your grass, you're going to get a nasty letter oh, from the dear, from, yes. from the HOA. If if you put up a mailbox that's ugly, you're going to get somebody from the uh, homeowners association. that's going to come after you and send you nasty texts. You know, if you if you let your uh, you know, if you have a roof, a hole in your roof, you know, the county or or the, a whole new roof. Right. The county or the city is going to come and, and cite you for for having. Uh, you know, uh, a dilapidated house. If you don't, if the paint peels on the side of your house, you know, there's going to be some guy who's going to cite you for ordinance violation. You know, if if uh, if if uh, 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 you know, you park your car in the street and there's a no parking sign, you're going to get a ticket. You know, I mean, all day long you're doing what the government tells you to do, right? I mean, everybody and, has a boss, right? And and you know, and to a certain extent, see, that's the thing. Like when I tell people I'm a libertarian, people go, "Oh, you're for chaos." No, libertarians, all libertarians are about is that they believe that there has to be order, but there's too much government control. You know, the government is like into everything and to the point where, you know, and, and then you see, like we talk about the law of unintended consequences, that when the government mandates things, sometimes, you know, things happen that, that you know, shouldn't happen. But once again, the idea being is that like, um, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and you know, once again, it's to the point where, where all day long, you know, and what's interesting to me is when you listen to the politicians who are, you know, wanting to get into government, what are they telling you? They're telling you, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it so you can't do that. And I'm going to make it so you can't do this. And people are going, oh, I like that. I like that. He's going to put it. And you in. get a car and no, you no, get no, a car no. they're not and saying, you get a car. They're not saying that. That's the interesting part of it. <laughs> now, see, for Trump, that would be funny. That would be funny if he said, hey, you know what? Joe Biden, all he's going to do is tell you, you know, he's going to, hey, he's not going to let you do this. not going to let you do that. You know, hey, here's what I'm going to You elect me and everybody gets a car. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm a billionaire. I can do that. Everybody gets a car. By the way, you know, I heard something last night on another radio station, and a guy was referring to someone, and he wasn't giving the name, and I knew exactly who this person was because I'd done business with him. Another, and, and here's the interesting thing. Remember we talked about yesterday? I didn't go down to Dallas, Texas to meet, to meet um, um, Mark Cuban. Yeah. Remember? Yes. This guy was referring to, he wanted to meet a billionaire. And he, you know, and, and, and it's a long, crazy story. At the time, this guy who was talking is probably, probably in his late 60s. But at the time, he was like 40, 48, 49, 50 years old and wanted to meet a billionaire. And a friend of his says, oh, I know a billionaire. 
And uh, he says, I'll set up a meeting with you. The crazy thing about it is he mentioned what this guy did to become a billionaire. And what I, did he do? Well, I'm not going to say. And oh. um, immediately I knew exactly who it was. And here's the crazy thing. I've met with him several times. Is he local? No. Matter of fact, I sold my company to him. The searchlight business or Compu Traffic? Compu Traffic. Really? Yeah. David Saperstein, Metro Traffic, billionaire. And I thought to myself, he's not a billionaire. And I looked it up. Sure enough, he is. And supposedly, according to... Probably because of CompuTraffic. <laughs> he, <took my, laughs> he took my poor little company, made it. He, he, he took the company public. The little company that would. Well, he took the company public, you know, his company, and then sold it for like $1.2 billion. And he's got an interesting history that, you know, if you look at it, as a matter of fact, if, if you can go, if you can read the whole thing, you go to uh, Wikipedia, and I'll tell you how you spell the guy's name, and you can look at it yourself. Um, see, uh, and, and the interesting thing is it's not necessarily good about him because he has had some very contentious divorces. But um, what's interesting is that, and it's like, it's David, there's a couple guys. His name's David and Saperstein, S-A-P-E-R. Um, and he's not the rabbi. He's the, uh, there's three of them. Uh, I think it's David. Let me see. Here's David Saperstein, disambiguous page. Uh, David I. Saperstein. David, the initial I. Saperstein. That's what you want to look at. Ichabod? Up. Yeah, he's, uh, it says, uh, it says age. They don't know his exact birthday. What's, uh, what's his middle name? I have no I. idea. 7879. And talks about how uh, divorced, uh, da, 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 da. biography, Sepperstein was born to Jewish parents in Baltimore. He was in the car business. He actually owned a Ford dealership. Started a traffic network back in 78, founded Metro Traffic Networks, philanthropy. And this is what's interesting is um, he, had a, he had a name. Now, get this. <laughs> I mean, I'm not making fun of him, but he gave a lot of money to the Cedar sinai Hospital Music Center of Los Angeles. And in 2006, the Saperstein Critical Care Tower that bears his name was opened at Cedar sinai Medical Center. It initially was named David and Suzanne Saperstein Tower, but it was named renamed after rancorous divorce. So apparently him and his wife slugged it out, and it was so embarrassing that they took her name off the tower. So it's now the, uh, it's now the, uh, the Saperstein Critical Care Tower. Um, okay, personal life. Now get this. Okay. Uh, Okay, here we go. During the 1990s, Saperstein built a 12-bedroom, 15-bathroom Versailles-style estate for his then-wife, Suzanne, sprawled across several acres on Carrollwood Drive in Holmby Hills. The home is listed by Forbes magazine as one of the most expensive in the United States, with an estimated property value of about $125 million. The compound, which is according to W Magazine, is inspired by France's 17th century Vallevacomote, whatever that's, uh, I can't pronounce that, occupies about 45,000 square feet and is called Fleur de Lis. The home took five years to build and the couple were divorced 18 months after it was completed. His wife, Suzanne, had the house on the market at a listing price of $125 million shortly after divorcing her husband. He also owns, owns a horse ranch nestled in the hills east of Simi Valley, California called Hummingbird Nest Ranch. 
The ranch has a main villa, a period ranch house, four guest houses, stables for dozens of horses. By 2014, the 126-acre property had become a self-contained village with uh, with housing for staff, a commercial laundry, water wells, diesel generators, a gasoline pump, and a large solar field. This and is a the, partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> I'm going my. This is the guy I sold my 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 network with my traffic uh, network to, and I probably met with him. I don't know, I don't know. The first time I ever met with him, um, uh, I flew into Houston, and he had his chauffeur pick me up at the limousine, in a limu- you know, at the airport in a limousine, and his chauffeur was was, and it's interesting because I believe he, may, I think the, his his current. I don't know if he's married or not yet, but it talks about his third wife. Um, was his nanny personal life? Da, 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 da. So is she a way older woman, or was she a teenager? No, she okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Uh, he, her her first name is Hilevi H I L L E V I Svensson from Bua in Varberg. Okay, B U A in Varberg. Okay, have you ever heard of that before in Sweden? Formerly, I have not. Yeah, formerly nanny to his children. They had twins together, 2012, um, and, 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 and get this, and sad, January 2nd, 2019, she died while vacationing in Anguilla. What is it? Anguilla? Oh, I'm so sorry A-N-G-U-I-L-L-A with David. And that, she had to be at the time, and I actually think I met her. Um, she had to be 20 or 30 years younger than him, but even still, okay, he had kids in 2012, okay? He's now, they say he's either 78 or 79. He had kids when he was, when he was 70? (laughs) Isn't, you know, think about that for a minute, okay? Like... His nanny must be quite, quite a bit younger than him. no, No, but think about that for a minute. I mean, sometimes, like... It's like okay, people do it all the time. Yeah, when but go zillionaires. But but you know, to a certain extent, I mean, isn't that sort of unfair to the kids? You know, if 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 you have kids, you're a seventy year old dude and you have kids. I mean, the chances of you seeing those kids graduate from high school are probably not good. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, if you're twenty five or thirty five or forty five or even fifty five. Chances of you seeing your kids, you know, if you have kids at those ages, graduate from high school and maybe go off to college and get married, eh, pretty good. But when you're 70, you know, I mean, to the point where it's like, okay, you know, I mean, I don't know. What do I know? I'm just some stupid. See, here's the difference between him and I. He's got, you know, all these horse ranches and stuff like that. And I'm on a radio station that one of the call letters are crap. Okay, so... <laughs> and be proud. Where did my life go off the tracks? <laughs> you know, where, what the hell happened to me? And we're, we're, gonna, we're getting back on track, so and, stop it. And we're dealing with people who can't put together a deal to buy a 99-watt radio not. station. Let's not talk right? about that. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, it's 645. Mm-hmm. Westplex 107.1, one of my new favorite songs. I really like that. Uh, Kelsey Ballerini. Man, I love that name. What a cool name that is. And that's her real name, too, Ballerini. You know, her dad was in the radio business. Did you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> there's always this. If I said, hey, Shelly, watch out. There's a boulder that's going to hit you in the head in two seconds. And then three seconds later, she'd say, when's that going to happen? That's pretty much about right. 
I've laid my microphone down because Why? I don't have a little bitty well, tiny teeny tiny stand for why it. Why do you do that? Why do you huh? lay, why do you lay your microphone down? <laughs> because I'm multitasking. Okay, so when we get ready to go on the air, don't you like okay, I gotta pick up my microphone because Brad's gonna say something to me and if I don't reply within four seconds he's gonna go, Shelly, are you there? And that's pretty much how we roll. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it is Thank B- you. It is BS in the morning. Okay. It is BS in the morning. Okay. Do you know what tonight is? Okay. It is the 10th? Yes. Evening of the 10th? It's Thursday, but do you know what tonight is? Um, no. The start of the NFL season. That's right. I should have known that from yesterday. Yeah. And, the st- and, and, and you know, once my, again... I give it... Um, care factor is, yeah. Okay, I'm not non-existent. I'm, I'm not the sports dude. Okay, and no, you're not. but yet by the same token, it's like normally I'm around people at some point in my day, or people that I know, or people I do business with who are talking sports. I quite honestly, maybe this just is anecdotal with me. Um, I don't hear anybody talking sports. I don't hear anybody talking Cardinals. You know, I heard because they don't care anymore. Well, I I heard I I punched up Camox last night. I heard these guys. Well, now here's what's going to happen if the Cardinals. They're talking about the fact that 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 depending upon what happens in the next few weeks and depending upon the standings that there may be as many as four games that the Cardinals don't make up and as of right now they're supposed to play like 24 games in 17 days okay no days off uh, double headers they're you know they're doing the double headers they're doing the double headers like they're doing like in college or like where they're they're seven they're seven inning games and I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they can end. I don't think they if they if they ended a tie, they ended a tie. You know, because normally, you know, you don't, you know, you don't rarely do you ever see a baseball game ends in a tie because they go into extra innings and extra and extra extra. So I think now the rule is that I may be wrong in this, but I know they're doing. If it's a doubleheader, they're only playing seven innings, and I do believe that in double headers that at the end of seven innings if it's tied they just stop and then they play the second game or if they've already played the second game or you know first game then then they just it's done and they're over with so tonight is is the nfl and i'm going like okay what about these stadiums that are all sold out and there's a big controversy involving the nfl and joe biden have you heard this no, I have not. There she goes. She puts her microphone down again. Okay. I do. Well, you don't hold your microphone the whole time because you have a stand. No, I have I have a woman who stands here and holds the microphone in front of me, um, and she's in a bikini like I tell her to be, and you know, and she's she's here every morning, and 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 when I'm not talking, she puts grapes in my mouth, um, you snooze, know, and and, Brad, and she massages my back. What do you mean I have my microphone in a stand? <laughs> That's like Radio 101. Do you want me to get you a stand? I do. Will it fit a two-inch microphone? That's what she said. Okay, maybe three. That's what she said. Westplex 107.1, Ritmo. I love the way that old rolling R sounds. 708, good morning to you. It's BS in the morning. I'm Shelly. She is Brad. Uh, Don't forget, if you're down in the dumps, you're not feeling good, um, you're depressed about something, call the poop line. 636-400-POOP. That's 636-400-POOP-7667. And you will feel much better because Shelly will give you words of wisdom to live by.
You're such a man child. And if you're hungry, call 636-48-PIZZA. Yes, 636-48-PIZZA, and Shelly will tell you how you won't. Uh, she'll give you uh, advice on, on how to not be hungry. Matter of fact, as crazy as it may sound. It's called food bread. Instead of eating a pizza, she'll tell you how good the pizza is. And that way, if you're like, if you're on a diet, you can you're live like, vicariously through my, right, my adventures. Right. If, if you're on a diet and you go like, oh man, I got to have a piece of pizza. I kill for a piece of pizza. I got to call the pizza line. 636-48-PIZZA. And Shelly will, will talk you through it. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. The services she offers. <laughs> 709. Okay. I got a text that at first was like one of these things like, and I'm not going to give who it is because I don't necessarily want to, it could could be ramifications on who sent me the text because people might go, I can't believe they said that. You know what I'm saying? Just say it, Brad. And, well, it caught me by surprise, too, because I didn't quite understand it. The text says, tonight is the 19th anniversary of thousands of people who went to sleep with their loved ones for the last time. Once again, tonight is the 19th anniversary of thousands of people who went to sleep with their loved ones for the last time. Does this have something to do with drinking the Kool-Aid? No. And Wait, it, though? It, it, no, it caught me by surprise, too. I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't, it was like, I don't understand, what is this about? Tomorrow's 9-11. Think about it. Oh, man. 19 I years ago. I missed that. Boy, 19, I'm so sorry. 19 years ago, all wow. these people, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, you know, uh, um, you know, friends, co-workers, went to bed tonight thinking, well, you know, tomorrow's another day. You know, eh, I got to go to work tomorrow. Got to, you know, put food in the table. Got to go, you know, um, you know, firefighters, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, 19 years ago tonight, firefighters, if they weren't working the, you know, the, the shift before, the day before, they were at home with their wives, kids, husbands, whatever they were, um, you know, police officers, uh, port authority workers, uh, janitors, uh, stockbrokers, uh, you know, all these different people from all sorts of ways mm -hmm. of life um, in uh, Washington, D.C., the Pentagon, uh, Army officers, men and women, um, civilian employees of the Pentagon, uh, the stewardesses, the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, cockpit crew, pilots and co-pilots, uh, eight Pilots and or eight crew, you know, uh, you know, they were all uh, two man crews, four, four jets, uh, eight pilots, first, uh, you know, four pilots, four first officers, you know, the night before, who'd thunk, you know, to them, it was just like, oh, well, uh, tomorrow, you know, got to fly to wherever they were going, San Francisco or Los Angeles. And, you know, the people going to work, you know, stockbrokers, another day, police officers, you know, another day of, you know, you know, dealing with uh, people who were, you know, petty crimes, uh, firefighters, another day of, you know, being at the fire station and making sure the, you know, the trucks were all in good shape and cleaning them up and, uh, you know, uh, responding to, uh, you know, paramedics, all the paramedics, uh, EMTs, uh, you know, another day of uh, responding to, you know, people with broken bones, car accidents, um, you know, heart attacks, uh, you know, just people, you know, minor injuries, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Another day. To, you know, and tonight, you know, 19 years ago tonight, you know, if they weren't working, if they were like working a shift like the firefighters and the paramedics, um, you know, maybe they were in the firehouse already. And maybe in a lot of them, you know, a lot of them were supposed to be off the next morning. You know what I mean? They, that shift change, um, you know, same thing with the police. 
Think about that. Think about all the cops who, who uh, you know, were working the night shift, and all of a sudden this happened, and they got called back, and all the, the firefighters and the paramedics and, you know, all the other people who had, you know, weren't even scheduled to work that day who ended up working, and some of them who perished. Sort of weird when you think about that, you know, and it's to the point where, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's sort of life. You think to yourself, you know, and, and sometimes even, you know, I think everybody does this at one point in time. You think, okay, someone that you know, let's say, dies in a car accident, and let's say it happens today. And you think, well, yesterday their life was, you know, same old, same old. They went home, they went to work, you know, they got off work at 5 o'clock, they went home and they had dinner and watched some TV, you know, maybe watched some Netflix and got up the next morning and went to work and on the way to work, boom, they're dead. You know what I'm saying? I do, and thank you so much for being so graphic. No, but yes, well, I understand completely. Well, well, um, our whole world was changed in an instant, and we saw the best of humanity and the worst of humanity. Well, and, and on I, the same day, and I think at the what, same hour. I think what bothers me is that you have to look at this: is that nothing's guaranteed. And I've had this. And it I, is not. And it I've, is absolutely true. And I've had this in business where someone will say, well, can you guarantee me that if I do business with you and not trying to be a smart donkey, if you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I'll, if someone does that to me, I'll a look Somalian right. Somalian And I think, I think you've actually seen me do this uh, once or twice. I'm saying, well, can you guarantee? And I'll say to him, I can't guarantee that you and I are going to be alive tomorrow. You know, and someone will go like, what? I go. I can't guarantee that. How can I guarantee, you know, that your business is going to increase by 42% over the next six weeks? I mean, you know, once again, that would be like me going into, you know, a meeting, like you and me going to a meeting and meeting with a client going like, can you guarantee that my business is going to double, like back in January, here we are in a meeting, you know, meeting with a client back in January. Can you guarantee me that my business is going to double over the next six months, that between now and July 1st, my, my business is going to double? No, I can't do that. Why not? Why can't you guarantee me that? Well, there might be a pandemic. And they'd look at me like, whoa, yeah, right. <laughs> a pandemic. There's not going to be a pandemic. Guess what? There was a pandemic. That's because they put it out in the universe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever you put something out in the universe, you just need to take it back twice. Okay, whenever I... So, but if I put it out in the universe and I don't take it back, then it's going to happen? Well, I'm talking about karma and bad things okay let me hold let me think about that for a minute if i put it out in the universe and i don't take it back twice it's going to happen okay today that's usually the way it is you know it's almost like talking about someone or somebody crosses your mind and you haven't seen them for years and poof within three months they've contacted you you've run across them you know that's just it's kind of you know what it's kind of like what we do okay and how i met you okay here's because a couple of Let's see, about a month or two before I met you, I was listening to the radio, and I thought, you know, that would probably be really fun. I don't know, because I was trying to decide what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I met you. It was serendipitous at the best, and um, here we are. Okay, so I'm going to put things out in the universe. Okay, you ready? Uh-huh. Today, Skip Weber from Weber Chevrolet is going to show up at my office. And say, Brad, I've been listening to you and Shelly for years. Well, Skip, we've only been on since a little bit over a year. Oh, but hey, it, sounds, it seems like years. You know what they say about time, time doesn't fly when you're having fun. Yeah, Skip, thanks so much, dude. Uh, well, you know what? Seriously, Brad, here's the keys. Keys to what, Skip? Your new 2021 Corvette. 
okay, I'm putting that out in the universe. So Skip Weber's going to meet me sometime today, and he's going to me the keys of that 2021 Corvette. Then I'm going to go to Would the bank. Would you be able to get in and out of it? And then I'm going to... Aren't you nice? Then I'm going to go to the... Well, I'm just asking, because <laughs> I wouldn't be able then, to. Then I'm going to go to the bank, and the bankers look at me and say, Brad, you know what? Your account's overdrawn again. And we warned you about this. We warned you that if you overdrew it, you know, eight times in two days, that bad things are going to happen. I know. Well, I'll tell you what. The bad thing is that we're going to put a million dollars in your account and you better not overdraw your account. Oh, okay. And then I'm going to be driving down the highway and I'm going to be driving down 40, let's say at Lindbergh and a bunch of women in a van have a flat tire are going to flag me now please sir would you change our flat tire and i realize it's like the cheerleading team from like mizzou it's the mizzou golden girls and i change the tire in their car and they'll go hey we're gonna we're gonna keep you with us for the next month or so and we're just gonna party with you non-stop for a month oh okay does that sound like fun to you <laughs> I'm, pu- hey, I'm putting it out. Hey, they're spe- hey, spending time hey, hold on a with a bunch of cheerleaders that you could have sired. <laughs> I'm putting it out in the universe. <laughs> Remember, I'm putting it out in the universe. You told me that if I put it out in the universe and if I don't take it back twice, it's going to happen, right? And, and, well, I'm only and, talking and, about and then, bad things, Brad. And then, and then Bell Textron is going to call me up and say, Who's hey, Brad, Bell Textron? I, I don't know who that is. They make helicopters? And they're going to call me up and they'll go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Brad, we heard you talking about, you know, the situation with Alan Barklage and how he taught you how to fly helicopters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what we're going to do? What? We're going to give you a brand new Bell 407. Yeah, it's about $2 million helicopter, but you know what? We got an extra one hanging around here. You know, we make them down in Dallas. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, well, you know what? We're going to fly one in and we're going to fly it in in spirit. And here's one thing that... You know those nice police officers that you know flew you around earlier this year? Yeah. Well, you got to let them fly it for a couple days. You know, just let them just have fun with it for a couple days. Sort of break it in. You know, it's like a car. You got to break it in. And those guys are (laughs) that would be cool. (laughs) And and once they break it in for a couple days, then it's your helicopter. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm putting it out there, Shelly. I'm putting all these things out there. And then, good for you. I'm. And and, you know what? It, It does my heart good. To see you actually dream, and then and then Jake <laughs> and and think positive thoughts, and um, yeah, and then Jake Cubed is going to call me up, all three of them, and they're going to go, okay, Brad, that's enough. We just bought every radio station in St. Louis, and we're giving it, we're giving them all to you, and you're going to run them all. You're going to run all the so stations. Sweet. You're going to be the radio god. You're going to be the radio czar. If you say, czar. if you say, jump. Guy Phillips, and you and you can force Guy Phillips out of retirement to work, and make, you can wait, make him work the night shift because you're going to be the radio czar. You're going to be so powerful. And Bob then, Seeger working the night shift. And then Lida Cruson is going to call me up and say, "Hey, Brad, you know Pinky and Stripes? Oh yeah, I know Pinky and Stripes. Well, you know what? We're kicking them out of their big old mansion, in Central West End. I'm gonna give it to you. You know, it's your place. It's your place. You can just do what you want with it, Lida. Oh my thought, God, thank you." And then Dr. Page, county executive, is going to call me up, and he goes, Brad, you know all those taxes you owe us? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Not only are we going to mark your bill paid, we're going to go back the last 30 years, and we're going to refund all your taxes. And then, and then Mr. Lewis is going to call me up and go, 
Brad, we've had a change of thought about your mailbox. We think it's the most beautiful mailbox in the world. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to come down our street and we want you to put new mailboxes up for each of the residents. And we're going to pay you $100,000 to put up a new mailbox for each of the residents. So, Shelly, I'm putting all this stuff out there and I'm not taking it back twice. So, according to you, it's all going to happen, right? <laughs> Brad, stop it. Seriously, quit. <laughs> it's all going to happen. Well, well, but but see, that blows hole in your thing. You're going like, well, you know, you said if you don't, if you put. I'm in- talking about when you sit there and you put out those, you know, negative energy, and then I'm like, you need to take that back because what if that happens? And you need to take it back twice. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about all the good stuff that you just sat there and said, and that you dreamed, and that you got, you know, you got away from yourself and you let yourself. Uh, open up to the possibilities. So you're you're telling me that that only works for bad things. It doesn't work for good yes. things. Yes. Why so, would you want it to work for good things? <laughs> you have to ask that question. If I so in other words, if I just can't sit here no, and say like if you did. I mean, why would you want to cancel good things? No, you're missing what I'm saying. You said I you said be. if I put something negative out there and if I don't take it back twice, it happens. So the con- converse Usually it of does. That, it takes takes a while. Okay, it's called karma. But the flip Brad. side of that is if I put good things out there and I don't take it back twice, they're going to happen. I mean, you know, there's a whole theory behind that that like, you know, you read think and grow rich, read a lot of these things. You know, matter of fact, I had someone I hear here here just the other day. I had someone the uh, what are you sending me? I don't know what that is. Okay. Anyway, um, you just sent me something that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Okay, here, here's here's right. here's a perfect example. This was sent to me the other day by an anonymous person. Okay. And let me see if I can find it here real quick. Uh, to the point where I'm trying. I'm trying to look for it. Where was it? What are you looking for? I'm looking for what somebody sent me, which they said is going to solve my, all my problems. And they essentially said, "Did they do that just today?" No, it was, it was last week. Uh, I can't. Oh, well, it I can't clearly find didn't it. work. <laughs> I can't find it. Where and essentially they said, "Say this every day." And things will change and say it multiple times per day and things will change sort of like the same theory that you have but only the positive things in other words if you say something it's going to happen and I'm going like okay now the sad part of this is that through my life I've had days where I've woke up and go like okay today's gonna be a great day I'm gonna accomplish and then the S show starts and it doesn't stop. You know what I'm saying? It's just like yes, I do. One thing after another. It's like, okay, who's next? You know, and then some another bad thing happens, and then you know it's ten o'clock. Okay, so so far I've had something you blow up. Your at, children at are eight and <laughs> nine and ten, eleven o'clock. What's going to happen next? And then something else happens, which continues the S show. And it's like, okay. I woke up this morning with positive thoughts in my mind, and it ain't working. What's wrong? Right? No? 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 Pretty much. Well, the flip side of it is, we started this off by talking about the fact that 19 years ago, thousands of people went to sleep tonight with their loved ones, and it was the last time. So maybe the idea being is, every single day, we appreciate what we have, which may not be the best, but yet... You know what? We breathe, we move, we talk, 
We eat, we love, and that's the way it should be. Westplex 107.1, Kelly Clarkson talked about her the other morning that if it wasn't for American Idol, and not that she's not an incredibly talented woman, uh, it's called having your breaks. Uh, she'd probably be waiting tables somewhere still, you know? I mean, I, I have to I tell do you, know. Well, one of the things that amazes me is, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a TikTok guy. I look at TikTok, you know. And time suck. No, no, no. I, you know, I, I, oh, no, it is. Well, it's, I think it's my ADD kind of thing because everything has to be 60 seconds or less. So, you know, people tell stories yeah. in 60. You do no, have no, a short no, attention no, span. No, that is a seriously. true statement. They tell stories in less than 60 seconds. They sing songs in 60 seconds and things like that. Okay. And sometimes I see some of these incredibly talented people, you know, singers, songwriters, uh, musicians. Um, you know, uh, people doing acrobatics, and you go like, holy cow. And it's sort of like, you know, America's Got Talent, because, you know, obviously the the voice and uh, American Idol are both essentially singing competitions, but when you get into something like American's Got Talent, you you know, in the version of that in England, you know, BGT, Britain's Got Talent, you see, yeah, you see the singers, and yeah, you see the, you know, musicians, but you also see the guys who are doing gymnastics and, you know, all sorts of goofy things and comedy and ventriloquism, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what always gets me is is that that and you probably know people as well as I do that you know you know them as like you know somebody that you work with or somebody that lives down the street and then you see them perform as like a guitarist in a band or a drummer or you see them like you know do you know uh, incredible gymnastics where they do five backflips in a row and you go. You know what I mean? It's just like, holy cow, where did that come from? And and I've always found it fascinating that people sometimes underestimate people. If you ever watch, there's this one, there's this one, um, uh, you know, a real, um, there's a bunch of these on YouTube and they're called like, you know, instant karma. And there's one on there that's like instant karma, you know, news. And it's got like... Um, snarky reporters and things like that who say things to like guests and the guests have these incredible comebacks and there's one of them on there where i think it's a gal from cnn it's either cnn or msnbc and they're doing a a two shot you know she's left frame guy's right frame i don't even know what the guy is and he's you know some guy that looks like he's in his 50s or 60s and he's standing in front of some building in washington dc and she's just being really disrespectful and they're talking about some kind of economics and she's going like, you know, well, if we do this, and he's going, well, no, no, that necessarily won't work. And she goes, well, well, we, you know, so see, she says, you're, you're telling me that if the government, and I think she says, if Trump did this, that things would, would, uh, would, would work. And he goes, yes, exactly. And she says, well, what, do you have an economics degree? Like very sarcastically. And he looks straight at the camera and says, yes, I do with honors. <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where it's Boom, like, drop, drop <laughs> right? It's like, it's like where? Okay, you know, and you know, once again, the person who's on all of a sudden on the offense is just like, okay, I just got, and if you're a dude, I just got kicked between the legs. You know what I'm saying? I just doubled over because this dude just finished me off. You know, I mean, what do you say? You know, when I'm, what do you have an economics degree? Yes, I graduated with honors. You know, and and the the thing is just filled with things like that of like some of the you know them asking guests, and there's one of them on there where the guy is interviewing Mike Tyson, and it's some it's some 
TV show like, you know, hey, good morning, Phoenix, or something like that. And what's interesting is the guy who is the interviewer is a black dude. And he starts off by asking, you know, like, you know, about uh, Mike Tyson and his rape allegations. And Mike Tyson just looks at him and says, FY. <laughs> I like that. And, a man and, a few words, and, but direct to the point. And the guy goes, well, hold on a minute now. You, you, you know, and, and then Mike Tyson just f-bombs the daylights out of him you know and i came here to talk to you about my show and you're asking me this you know i'm going like whoa you know and and you know what to a certain extent i get it because of the fact that you know i mean like we're minor players and i've told you this story sometimes i'll have people that i'll interview here on the radio and especially if they're set up like by a pr agency or something like that they will say to me can you give me a list of the questions you're going to ask my client and I go no you don't do that I don't do that and I go and they go well well we have to I said well then I can't do the interview and they go well you're not going to clear the questions with us ahead of time no but and I tell them I, I said but by the same time I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna be a sniper I'm not gonna you know throw in a you know well I don't know last night you got drunk and you know you were you know arrested by the you know I'm not gonna do that you know I mean but yet I get it that there are some guys that, you know, the interviewers, the, you know, the, the, you know, like almost like the, you know, the Don Lemons of the world or, you know, maybe to a certain extent, like the Anderson Cooper of the world who always want to get that gotcha question in, you know, like, you know, well, I understand, you know, and oh, can you believe what Anderson Cooper asked him? You know, that kind of stuff, you know, but by the same token, you got people like Howard Stern, who is the ultimate interviewer because he'll ask people anything and What's interesting is the reason that, and this is what I find fascinating about the deal with Howard Stern, is that the reason that he's, you know, a great interviewer is that the people who go on his show know that. They know that there's not going to be any safe zone. There's not going to be any, well, don't ask me this or don't. And, and you know what? You've seen it before, too. We've had people that have told us, well, I can be on the air with you, but I can't talk about this. And we'll go like. Yes. Okay. Well, then we don't want to talk to you. And they'll go, what do you mean? I go, you know what? I think that's pertinent to what we're going to talk about. And once again, we're not going to throw you gotcha questions, but you can't tell me what we're not going to talk about. And to the point where I'm going to do the interview, and typically when I do the interviews, and, you know, I may be the worst interviewer in the world, but normally I can get the flow of somebody and, you know, ask the questions. And I try to ask the questions that people, you know, the listener, the people out there going, like, well, ask him about this, you know, that kind of stuff. But yet, eh, doesn't happen all the time. So, and, and that's why, that's why. You are a good interviewer. Well, no, 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 I, I no. actually have people that tell me how comfortable you make them. Well, but, but that's why I find Trump so fascinating is there's no safe zone with him. You know what I mean? I mean, he'll say anything. And, and, and like, like, what was it last week? He had some reporter that was asking him some question, and he couldn't understand what the guy was saying. He says, take the mask off. You know, everybody went, oh, Trump told the guy to take the mask off. Well, you know, once again. Because all he heard was, 
Teeth bigger, larger fries, and small but, coke. But once again, the idea being is that if you're sitting, you know, in, and if you've seen this, what they've done is they, you know, the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the press room, uh, uh, you know, where they have in the White House, they've thinned the crowd, so to speak. They've thinned the herd, and that now not everybody gets in, you know, because they're doing social distancing. It used to be every chair was filled, and the, you know, the reporters sat shoulder to shoulder. Now they're doing the pool thing, where they'll have one reporter who will be in there for like, you know, like ten different newspapers, and I'll have another reporter and be in there for like you know, 10 different, you know, uh, radio networks and another reporter being there for like 10 different TV stations. So they're like already, you know, socially spaced out and stuff like that. And to the point where everybody said like, and I remember when that happened, everybody going, oh my God, Trump told the guy to take off the mask. You know, see, Trump doesn't care about, once again, the guy's like, it's like this goofy thing we talked about yesterday at Mizzou, where once you step onto the Mizzou campus, on anything that's Mizzou property, you have to have your mask on. So if you're walking on, like, I don't know, a sidewalk in, in a campus, and like there's nobody in front of you for 100 feet, and there's nobody in back of you for 100 feet, and you're in the middle of nowhere, and, it, and they said that, that what they're doing is, if you don't have a mask, they're encouraging the other faculty, staff, and students to take pictures of people who don't have their masks. Remember, it's like the deal, like, what was that? The deal with, with in New York, they did that, too, wasn't so it? So we're where, mask shaming well, now? Well, but that was like the Blasio thing, where you were supposed to, you know, it was like, a, <laughs> remember what happened? Do you remember what happened on that one? That was funny. Do you remember what happened in New York? He said the same thing. You know, if you see people out there without masks, take pictures. So people were sending them naughty pictures. You know, <laughs> they were sending <laughs> You know. you know, I that's funny. <laughs> I um was at a, an event last night. It was a fundraiser, and I'm not going to say the place or the fundraiser, but um my point being is that you know we were standing at the door letting people know that we were doing a fundraiser night, and all they had to do was mention this word, and or this phrase, and I wasn't over there. I was actually eating, but when this couple came in. First of all, the girls came back. Then when this couple came in, they were, I mean, just daggers, daggers at the whole table. I had my mask, but the people I were with did not. Yeah. And, I mean, daggers, like, floating through the air. Why? Because you had a mask on we, or the other people no, didn't? No, because they didn't have a mask on. You know, once again. I, I, and, and, I mean, I wear a mask for other people I, I because I, I don't I don't want to... Um, I wear I wear a mask because I'm practicing to rob banks. That's what I do it for. You know, I'm th- I know. I'm thinking myself. And that's you know. actually a problem. <laughs> you know, like a lot of the gun stores are saying, well, you know, there's we the, can't have people with masks well, in there. There was the guy in Jefferson. Not a lot of the gun stores, but the guy in Jefferson County did that. He essentially said he made the news. Well, I don't know who these people are. They can come in and want to rob me. You know, first off. That's true. First off, okay. Let me give you a little advice here, okay? If you've ever been to an independently owned and operated gun store, okay? And I have many times, right? When you walk through the door, you will notice that every guy there has a big old gun on his hip. And it's to the point where it's like, you know, once again, one of the places you don't want to go in and rob, you don't want to go around and rob a gun store. You know, because of the fact that chances are by the time you get your weapon pointed at one guy, you'll be shot by five other guys. Get what I'm saying? I mean, to the point where that's one of those places where, where you know, I mean, you know, where you can pretty much feel safe 
that nobody's going to come in and rob it. Now, as opposed to going to a quickie mart where you walk in and, you know, you're worried about like, okay, the next guy in, could he be the guy that's going to rob it? Or, you know, even at the bank, you know, you could be at the bank and you could be there, you know, taking care of your business and you're thinking, okay, is the next guy through the door going to announce a hold up and, you know, and shot, you know, fire a few rounds into the ceiling and have us all hit the floor? You know, once again, the idea being is, and and it's like, it's like, uh, God, I've never told you this, this story about me and my son on the Metrolink years ago. Did I ever tell you this story? We're going down to the Guns and Hoses. Did I ever tell you this? No. God, is it funny? Oh, is it funny? I mean, it's to the point where, and my son. So you're the, saying it's funny? My son, who at the time was like 14 or 15, who's now like in his 30s, still remembers this. And it's to the point where it was, it was, it was like, it was like a couple of gangbangers got in the wrong place at the wrong time. And all of a sudden they realized it. And they were like angels. I don't understand. It's a long story. I'll tell it another time. Okay. Okay. That'll be a, that'll be a tomorrow story. Seven forty six. Westplex one hundred seven point one. Trust fund baby. Don't have to worry about that with me. Seven fifty three. It's BS in the morning. I'm Shelly. She's Brad. It is a Thursday. So happy it's Thursday. S H. You know, I better watch myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is so funny. No, it's not. It's an old joke. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Did you just make that up? No. You've never heard, so happy it's Thursday? No. Yeah, and people would say, hey, so be happy it's Thursday. Have a mm day. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know. That is so funny. Oh, Thank Shelley. you for that giggle. You're like Ed McMahon. You know, you laugh at anything I say. Hey, Shelly. No, goes, that's not true. There I goes, don't laugh at everything you say. Hey, Shelly, there's a funeral uh, funeral procession, procession with a bunch of cars and a, and a hearse in front. You're supposed to laugh. Oh, yeah, that wasn't funny. But you know what's really funny? <laughs> it's not funny, haha. It's funny, lovely, actually. But um, whenever I saw the other day, there was a, a funeral procession. Now that you mention it, yeah, and the cars had all pulled off on the side of the road. I don't know. They pulled off the side of the road, not not the funeral procession, but to make you know out of homage. And the people on the side streets, it must have been a veteran. The people on the side streets, they they stopped and they got out of their car. And they, it was it was it was really neat. Okay, what you're describing is the difference between. Big town America and small town America. In most small towns, if there's a funeral procession, everybody pulls off to the side of the road. And I, I mean, it was just, well, it was, it was, and, and, and I mean, you could just feel it. No, it was, it was just lovely. I understand what you're saying that it might have been like a veteran or something like that, but I mean, this is for everybody. If you're in small town America, you know, and that's what's sort of interesting because of the fact that I've heard people from small towns say, I couldn't believe it. I was driving down the street the other day, and there was a funeral procession. Like, let's say they're in St. Louis County or St. Charles County. I was driving down the street, and there was a funeral procession, and nobody pulled off. I go, well, that's the, that's the big, that's one of the differences between, like, the city and the county and then small town. Um, not uncommon at all. You know? Well, and, it's beautiful, and we should oh, probably bring that back. Well, I mean, but they've never had it. I've to never, take a moment. I've, I've never seen it in St. Louis City or St. Louis County unless... It's someone where, like, you know, where uh, you see this everyone. I mean, you know, like, it's a sad thing they had the other day with that poor police officer that was killed, uh, city police officer. And yes. uh, they actually had a, a um, um, procession of, uh, from the hospital where he was declared dead to the morgue. 
and you know all these police vehicles and you know i think some firefighters are in there and the whole bit and you know once again there's a thing where those people they honor their brothers and sisters yes they do and that is that is true right but in so many other ways of life that doesn't happen i mean you know geez like like you know like in in our industry like you know the radio broadcasting television you know media industry you know, if if I were to die tomorrow, there'd be people if they saw my funeral, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, procession on the highway, they'd get off and spit on it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, that is not true. <laughs> it's true. Stop it. Hey, I oh, look at 756. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Seriously, I know a guy. I don't want you to finish the thought. No, because I'm gonna, I, I'm going to finish the thought. I know a guy in our industry. You're going to do it anyway, aren't you? Yeah, who's no longer in our industry, and he has told me that he hopes he outlives two people okay one of them is one of them is his ex-boss and one (laughs) of them is jane fonda i you know what i I, i've heard more than one person say that about jane fonda and because he was a vietnam vet yes he lost a lot of it i mean he was a combat vet you know to the point where he told me the story one time that they went into a firefight, and the guys, you know, the guy to his left, the guy to his right, both killed. And he doesn't understand why, you know, what happened, where, where he was saved. And, you know, he was, I believe he's a Purple Heart winner in the whole bit. And, you know, once again, Jane Fonda went to Hanoi. They called her Hanoi Jane and sat on top of an anti-aircraft gun that shot down American planes and was protesting. It's like, and so <laughs> I won't finish the story, but... He has an ex-boss and Jane Fonda, and he's told me that he hopes he lives a week longer than both of them because he's going to go visit their grave, and I'll leave it at that, okay? Yes. <laughs> and I think I've yes. told you the rest. I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yes, I've told you the rest of it. And to yeah. the point where it's like, okay, that's when you really hold a grudge. You know what I mean? That's when you like you just don't let go. you know. But eh, I get it. I mean, you well, know. the whole um, Jane Fonda thing, I'm sure that he's carried that with him and the burden of it and of survival guilt. Well, it's like, it's like, okay, I just had somebody the other day who, you know, said to me, well, I know you like Trump and, you know, and, and, and you probably voted for Trump. And remember, he was a draft dodger. He was a draft dodger. And I looked at this person and it was a woman. And I said, okay, so... I did, so I'm bad because of that? And I go, yeah. I go, did you vote for Bill Clinton? And she says, well, of course I did. I go, go back and read the history of Bill Clinton and draft dodging. I mean, it's the same story. You know, he had powerful people that pulled strings and he didn't get drafted. You know, same deal. So why is it that you can say to Trump, you know, well, you, you, Trump, he's terrible because he draft, you know, dodged the draft. Well, so Bill Clinton did. You know, so did, to a certain extent, Al Gore didn't. But if you know the story of Al Gore, Al Gore got, you know, he did, he, did, he was almost, see, it was like the thing with me. My year, my year I was 18, you know, my dad sort of took me aside one night and said, you know, hey. You know, because the deal back then, they had a deal where they, they pulled, they had a lottery and they pulled your, your, your birthday. They had this big old, 
thing with with everybody like you know you had birthdays on it and they pulled your birthday out and they started you know with like first person they pulled a you know birthday out of it so if you were like born whatever it was december 1st guess what you were getting drafted and at that point in time they said the first 90 names or the first 90 birthdays that were going to be pulled out were going to be drafted and i was number 27 and my dad you know knew this and he said to me one day he says hey he says, I got drafted in World War II, and he says, I don't regret it. He says, I do regret the fact that if I would have enlisted, I would have had some choice as to what I would have been able to do when I was in the Army. And he says, my suggestion, he says, you need to go talk to all the recruiters and find out, you know, what's available. And he says, because at the time, I'd already been doing electronics. I was a ham radio operator, and I had a lot of experience doing that. And, and he said, he says, you know, I'm an Army guy. He says, but you might be better suited for the Air Force or something like that. And I've always, I always wanted to fly. So I went and visited the recruiters. I went to the Army guy and the Air Force guy and the Navy guy and the whole bit. And then there was one point in my life in the early part of my radio career where I got very disgruntled with a couple things that happened to me. And I go, I'm just, you know, at the time I was 25 or 26, had a master's degree. So one day I got really frustrated and I go, you know what, I'm going to join the Navy. I just did. One day I said, I'm going to join the Navy. And I called, I looked in the phone book. Remember, you used to look in the phone book for things like that? Uh-huh. And I looked in the phone book under, you know, Navy recruiter, bang, you know, one guy near me. Couple, matter of fact, the, the recruitment office was like a mile from where I lived at the time. And I called the number and I asked to talk to a recruiter. Guy gets on the phone, I told him who I was, and he knew who I was because I was on the radio at the time. And I told him, you know, I was frustrated with what I was doing and had a master's degree and was ready to join the Navy. And he hung up on me. what why did he hang up on you he said as he hangs up and he goes he said don't blank with me i know you're full of blank and hung up (laughs) he thought you were um calling him up to what is that called when people do that he thought it was a radio gag he thought yes yes and honest to god that's a true story and he thought it was a radio gag and i was as serious as a heart attack because one of the regrets i have in my life is that i did not join and and at the time keep in mind you know the vietnam war was still going on when i was a young dude and it was to the point where you know and and even the people who joined i mean people if you joined the armed services back there people would back then people go oh my god you're crazy you're nuts you're stupid you know i mean it's just to the point where you know and and you know look back the vietnam situation was the war right wrong indifferent you know once again i mean you can't make those decisions when you were when you're, uh, you know, a soldier, I mean, you know, essentially you're told by the politicians and by the, you know, the, the generals and your commanding officers, you know, where to go and what to do when you get there, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and you can't say, well, the, you know, the World War II was right and Korea was wrong and Vietnam was wrong and Iraq number one was right and Iraq number two was wrong. And, you know, you, you know, it's one of those things, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, yeah, that was the deal. He, he, he cussed me out because he thought I was punking him, and he hung up on me. And I was serious. Yeah. So I, and I thought to myself, maybe that's an omen. Maybe I shouldn't join. But yet, by the same token, I know people. You know, I told you the goofy story about my best friend that I'm from years and years and years, Craig Leaker, who was like, you know, I mean, like, and, and, and like even admitted he was like a guy who was out of shape and always 
heavy, and I played with him on the same little league team for years and years and years, and he never got a hit. And my dad used to always kid about the fact that he could have gotten a hit, but he was so slow that you know if he if he hit the ball in the center field, they'd throw him out at first base because he was like you know he was overweight and he was a terrible runner and he was really slow. And I guess like our sophomore year of high school, one day he said to me and a couple other my friends, he says. I have a goal in my life. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape, and I'm going to go to college. I'm going to join ROTC. Then I'm going to join the Army, and ultimately I'm going to be a Green Beret. And we all looked at him like, yeah, right. You, look at you. You're never going to do that. Ah. So then all of a sudden he started changing his life. And my mom used to always say, I see Craig running up and down the street all the time. And he would run all the time. And he lost all sorts of weight. And he started working out at the gym and pumping iron and the whole bit. And sure enough, he graduated from high school, went to school, joined at ROTC. And as soon as he graduated with his degree, he went into, uh, what is it, OCS, uh, you know, basic and then OCS, officer's candidate school. And he came and he got, you know, a second Louis. And, you know, then as soon as he was second Louis, he, he tried out for ranger school. And he got to be a ranger. And then when he was a ranger, he tried out for this and, you know, an advanced ranger. And then he tried it for Green Beret and Man. It. And last time I heard from him, he was a colonel in the Green Beret. And it was funny because we all think about like, oh, that was Craig, the guy that, you know, was like slow as molasses. And now, you know, once again, a colonel in the Green Beret. Here's a guy who could kill you with his bare hands, like 10 different ways, and you wouldn't know which hit you. You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I do, actually. He, he's like he's like a Navy <laughs> SEAL kind of guy, you know? Like He could take you down with a thumbprint. Right. Somebody you don't want to mess with. And even if you're like jiu-jitsu or something like that, you don't want to mess with somebody who has that, you know, advanced combat training and, you know, and, you know, you know, hand to hand and, you know, and, and, you know, you know, you know, stab you and skin you, you know, in one move, you know, I mean, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that was my deal. That was good old Craig Leaker. So anyway, I don't know how I got talking about that stupid stuff. That right? was good. You know, I was going to join the Coast Guard. I well, Back you know, in, I that was um, see see now the interesting 86. see the interesting thing was when I went my when I went on my my tour when I was like 17 years old you know that was the year I was going to be drafted that was the year I was going to turn 18 uh, but I was 17 at the time you know they, and that's the way they did it you they drew your name on the in the year you turned 18 and my birthday is in July so in other words they did this like in I don't know June or May or something right before I graduated from high school and um, um, you know I, I I went and talked to the Coast Guard matter of fact. My old girlfriend, I think I've told you about her, my old girlfriend slash attorney, um, yes. after she graduated from college, um, she had a couple jobs here in the St. Louis area and she didn't like, and she decided one day, she says, eh, she wasn't married or anything like that. She joined the Coast Guard. She was in the Coast Guard for like, I think, six or seven years. I was going to join the Coast Guard, but the reason that I didn't is because back then, and I don't know if it's like that now, but back there and back then in the 80s, if you had children, you needed to sign um, rights, rights, basically rights of ownership of your child to someone. And I didn't want to do that. So in other words, you had to essentially um, um, have them as guard. You had to give somebody else guardianship. Correct. Yes. And, and, and I would lose well, you, all my you rights were, as, a, as a parent. You were, you were a single mother, right? I was. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, in other words, the idea being is if you, if something would have happened to you in the service, that you know the kids would have become orphans, and at least if you had already signed guardianship, those that there wouldn't be a problem with the kid in your in your case with your daughter uh, being, uh, you know, officially taken care of by a legal guardian. So I get it. Correct. You know, I understand. You know, yeah. But you know, I I went and talked to the Coast Guard. I like the Coast Guard. 
You know, and matter of fact, I don't know if I told you this years ago when I drove out to San Diego, one of my San Diego trips um, on 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 Sunday. I don't know if they still do it on Sunday. You can go down to uh, the the pier, and usually they have a couple of the ships that are open. And you know, and and it was funny because we got on this 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 navy ship. I can't remember what it was. It was a guided missile cruiser or something like that. And it was you know very impressive. And then right next to it, on the other side of the pier was a Coast Guard ship. You get on, and and you know here we got on this Navy ship, and the Navy guys were all like, you know, like yes, this is what we do. They were like robots, you know, and nothing against that. Um, and we got in the Coast Guard, and these guys were like very friendly, you know, and like and like, and yet we felt sort of sorry for them because they had like an older boat and an older gun, and everything they had was sort of like secondhand kind of stuff. And one of the people I remember this, one of the guys was like giving on the tour with me, so like. He says, so like next door, they got the Navy stuff and they got new stuff and you guys got like all their old stuff. And he goes, well, that's one of the problems with the Coast Guard. We get all the hand-me-downs from the Navy. You know? <laughs> and it was sort of sad, you know, because it's like, okay. And the Coast Guard are sort of weird because I think that's still the way they are. That in peacetime, they're in Department of Commerce and in wartime, they're under Department of Defense. So it depends upon if we're under declared war or not, whether they're where they're at. So if they're, if it's peacetime, I think that's still the way it is. I'll look that up. Hey, you know what? I know you got places to go. We'll just call it quits right here. How's that? That'll, that that would be great. Okay. Not that I don't won't miss everyone on this. So happy it's Tuesday. Excuse me. So happy it's Thursday. But um, which was so funny to me. Everybody have a great day. We've only got one more day till the weekend, and um, it's been a slice of heaven as usual, Brad. And once again, Shelley tells me about putting thoughts out in the universe and if i put the thoughts out in the universe i'm hoping for that van with a flat tire with the mizzou golden girls when i drive along and i have my impact wrench and shelly knows what i'm talking about because i did that one time this week (laughs) yes he did it was it was actually beautiful and i changed their tire well the rest is history 809